During the season, we got to get you on the Coors Latte trains. Visit the mountains because, like they always say, the mountains are always blue. Can't go wrong with a nice Coors on a nice sunny day. I do want to try we- some of those Coronas in your fridge. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of Coronas. Uh, if anyone out there wants to join me at my sack house, I have a 12-pack of Corona bottles and I have two limes. Hey, you come over here. We'll have a nice Corona and Coors. I got to get rid of them somehow. Hello and good evening and welcome to this My Miami Heat are up three games to one over those Boston Celtics episode of All About the Boss podcast. I'm your host, Mark Davis, excited as always, live from the sack house, joined alongside, as always, one of my closest friends, also literally one of the greatest co-hosts I could ask for and be paired with, Chris Kameinhart. I know you had a rough night with some DoorDash episode i love to hear that in a few minutes but hopefully that didn't wear you down how are you doing tonight my friend mark davis doing absolutely amazing you know i love being here in the sack house talking about all things balls so i'm glad that we can throw down some sports news tonight yeah and once again sorry about the DoorDash incident that kind of delayed us recording tonight but as you can see i'm excited we're going to talk a little about the nba uh shortly just because the nfl it's somehow always producing headlines. I, I don't know how it does it. It's still in a boring off season, but we, you know, we spend four days about three to four days out talking to each other on, on the actual, in the sack house. And it's always something, you know, it, this week's the owner's meeting out there. I'm not sure before they're at exactly, but it's the owner's owner's meeting. And uh, we had some rule changes. Obviously they broke down the Thursday night football flex schedule, how that's going to work, but we'll start with one of those rule changes. And I guess you coined it. Well, actually one of my buddies, uh, Ernest Frimpong out here in Washington State. He's a 49ers fan. He coined it the Brock Purdy rule because in the NFC Championship, yes, we saw Brock Purdy go down, and then we saw their backup quarterback go down, and that led to Christian McCaffrey playing third-string quarterback, essentially. Brock Purdy also tried to come back. He could only throw the ball 10 yards, and obviously that was a huge thing. Chris, what's going to happen, honestly, with this rule is that they have a 53-man roster, and before noon of each Sunday game, they have to list what is a third quarterback option. He cannot play any position. So like a guy like Taysom Hill, he cannot be a quarterback and still play tight end. He could be quarterback, but he has to be the second string quarterback. Uh, it's obviously like pretty much like a utility rule. Then they'll activate that, that third quarterback and the other guy that's hurt can't come back. If he does come back, then the other guy has to go back to the bench. Do you like this rule? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good rule to incorporate. We saw it heavily with, you said earlier, with the Brock Purdy 49ers. I mean, they're about to throw CMC back there in the backfield to be quarterback. They didn't really have any other option. So this definitely gives the teams some, like a safety net, you could say, that if both their starters go down and their backup, then they have that third one in their back pocket ready to go yeah, out I mean, there and throw some balls. Yeah, honestly, I say boo fucking who. You know, it's a 53-man roster, not a 54-man roster, and that's essentially what you're doing. You're allowing a 54th guy to play, and that's not what it is. You should do what other teams used to do back in the day and carry three quarterbacks. If you fucking can't handle that, then then get over it. You don't see baseball pitchers, if they go to extra innings and 18 innings, that they run out of pitchers and they can bring back a pitcher that 
they've used or have an extra pitcher in the bullpen that's not considered active, and then you, you can activate them. That's just a bullshit rule. It's honestly rare that you get that situation we had last year at the NFC Championship. So if you're really that, that concerned, fucking play a third-string quarterback, pay him, put him on the bench, and let him be part of your 53-man roster. Like I said, it's a rarity. It's just it's just a point. Of, it's not 53 players now that's been activated. You've activated 54 guys. And to me, Chris, that's where the math doesn't add up. Yeah, I mean, it's more about the coaching. Like, who do you have on the 53-man roster? Can you add that third quarterback? I know most teams don't have that third quarterback. I know Houdat Nation is lucky to have Taysom Hill. We can throw him in as tight end, and he can go out there and catch some balls, but he can also sling that rock. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just today's era, most teams carry two QBs. The Saints are one of those situations where Taysom Hill is a utility player. I mean, and honestly, it works out a lot of times. He comes in. He even started, like, what, six or seven games a couple of years ago. But it's just a rarity that teams nowadays carry three QBs on the active roster. But it's also very rare that both your first and second string gets hurt. And that's why I say if you're just that concerned, I get the rule. I mean, I understand it completely. I'm not saying it's a horrible rule. I just don't think it's a – I mean, it's it's eliminating you literally having 53 players. That's the point of a 53-man roster, and you're just making it a 54th player that played. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just a big fan. But this next rule, I know me and you went at it today heavily in text messages, and that's the kickoff rule. They literally changed the rule just for this year. I uh, believe that a lot of, the, a lot of these rules are going to be more of a one-year basis to kind of get a feel for it. They're also going to think about using the XFL rules, but for this year, it's going to be literally the college football rule, the NCAA. If you can, if you call a fair catch from anywhere from the 25 and below, so obviously to like the end zone, you start the ball at the 25 yard line. Um, I get it. You know, they say it's safety. Me and you had our concerns about it. I listened, I was listening to Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated talk about it, and I kind of agree with him. I agree with Pat McAfee and them. It's not about safety. They don't truly care about the safety of the players. It's more about they care about their money 20 years from now when they get sued out of their asses. And, I mean, Roger Goodell pushed heavily to get it delayed, literally to have it today because it sounds like the owners were going to prove against it because the coaches and the players proved with stats that the whole concussion rate is bullshit. You know, they need to look at the fields because the fields do cause concussions and other injuries as well. So it's not – it's an outlier. Like, they're, they're – or it's a – they're taking a part of a stat and they're saying it backs up their theory rather than backing up the theory of another study that shows that fields are an issue. I know you like it because it speeds the game up and that's for safety, but yeah, I just can't agree with this rule. I, I don't like it. It takes away special teams, in my opinion, on the kickoff return aspect. And it's just a bullshit soft rule. No, I mean, Mark, like you said, we fucking went on about it all morning this morning, going back and forth. Luke and Wade had to bear that, group chat message but i mean i personally like the rule like i said i think it does give the team some safety those players aren't taking unnecessary hits for an extra five or three yards i mean i sent you a stat earlier i mean on average last year the kicks fielded inside was 24.3 yards so if it goes out to the 25 that's giving the offense what 0.7 yard advantage so, I mean, these kicks coming out aren't really going far. And like you said earlier, we grew up with the Devin Hester returning days. We haven't really seen those. I mean, we have those one one returns for touchdowns every now and then, but we're just not seeing those special teams like we used to. 
Well, I mean, and like you said, the concussion. When we talked about it, you said the concussion rate went up. They they found a way to like. So they said, well, the concussions aren't stopping, even though they changed the rule a few years ago where the the kicking team doesn't get a running start. So in college, you still get that running start, but in the in the NFL, you don't anymore. And you said, well, the last couple of years, concussions went up, and you know, then I provided that fact, which. Yes, they've gone up because the kickers start to realize, hey, if we pop up the ball really high, you know, it gives our guys a chance to still because you know when you're not running, it takes a couple seconds, it sheds that couple seconds because now you got to get a start as soon as he kicks it rather than you're running with the kicker. And kickers found a way to get you know adjust to that and go around that rule so they can benefit themselves. Because in my situation, like I provide to you, there's gonna be those times where you get an unnecessary uh, roughness or a 15 yard penalty that they enforce on the kickoff, and now they're kicking from the 50 yard line. And that sky pooch kick that they, they do that pins them deep, that's where like you won't be starting from the 24. You're going to be starting from the 12, 13-yard line. And now you just literally fucked the, 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 the defense and the, the kicking team that can't have a good kicker and, and pin them deep. And, I mean, I just – I think it's soft. I mean, I get it. It is safety ultimately, but that's not what the NFL is thinking about. They're thinking about themselves. And if they truly give a shit about these players, they'll fucking change these, these fucking fields – to actual grass and not fucking turf that destroys their kneecaps, causes more concussions. So it's a hypocritical move, in my opinion. It's not about safety, truthfully. It's about their money. That's why the owners don't want to change fields because they have to do up, they have to update the field. They have to keep maintaining it, watering it. So that's more money out of their pockets. They're just selfish, egotistical pieces of shit, in my opinion, Chris. I mean, if the players if the players hate this kickoff rule change and they're bitching to the owners about how this shouldn't change, then the players need to be bitching to the owners about the field. It's not Roger Goodell going to each owner and saying, hey, you need to change your field to a grass field. It's the owners, like you said, not wanting to cough up the money to change that field to a grass field and then care for it. I mean, well, I don't know what the price difference is to keep up with a turf field compared to a grass field but I'm sure it's drastically different. Well, yeah, it's definitely more. And they have brought it up, but then the owners pull, pull their stats up saying that, oh, the fields don't cause all these injuries. It's other stuff. So the players have their stats. And I listened to Von Miller earlier today, and he's definitely uh, provided some, like he's tried getting the NFL Players Association to get with the NFL committee because the NFL committee still works with the owners. They're Like literally the owners are the boss of the commissioner. So, it's kind of like, you know, businessmen and politicians, like who has the power, has the authority. But I, I just don't like it. I mean, they're already going to ch- – so the reason why I think it's about money is, for example, the World Cup's going to be here in 2026. And they've already told the soccer players because the soccer players bitch that it better be natural grass or they're not playing on those stadiums because, like, Dallas Stadium's going to have it. MetLife's going to have it. So they're changing out turf to grass for the World Cup. So, that, so they care about the – that's the money aspect. They're going to do what the players want because the World Cup players have a choice. Once you're in the NFL, you're not going to sit out and strike for a field. You're still going to play because you want your money. And the World Cup, man, it's, they got their way, and the NFL players aren't getting what they tr- truthfully want, and that's better grass. And, I mean, the owners are cheap in my opinion. That's just how I feel, Chris. They're, they're billionaires who care about money. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, like I said earlier to you and to all the guys, like – the NFL is a business. It's not a sports. These guys in suits are looking at money signs and not for entertainment purposes. I mean, this is an entertainment business. It's, it's all, all about the money to them. Yeah, we all I mean, got yeah, the scripts. I mean, it's script. Yeah. Did the NFL give you your script yet? What we have to talk about this year? I mean, I don't know if, if you got that. 
No, I did get an email from Goodell. I just haven't I haven't messaged him back. All right, good, good. We should be getting a fax copy of that very shortly. And Chris, another rule uh, change. The Thursday night football flex. I mean, I, honestly, I'm not a fan of Sunday night flexes. I mean, I like, I understand, I like it because you get the better games later in the year. But you're ultimately still fucking the fans over. Like you are screwing them because now they have to change their itinerary. Changing plans on a Sunday to a Sunday game very easy. But for the NFL fans, like our buddy Rizla, he wants to go to the Vikings and, and Raiders game, and they play week I don't 13. Know why. I mean, he's a Vikings fan, and he goes to Vegas every year, and. Uh, he was going to time it out where he can go there. And it's week 13, so that's the start. So weeks 13 to 17, you can have a flex option. You can get two flexes for a year. So in those four weeks, you can get two flexes, and it has to be at least 28 days prior to the NFL. They have to notify everyone so that everyone can adjust and things like that. But now he's afraid if he buys a ticket, it, it gets flexed out because it's also a rule you can't have more than two, two Thursday night games a year. The Raiders and the Vikings only have one Thursday night game. So it is a possibility that that game could be shifted over to Thursday night football. Even though Thursday night football is supposed to be a better schedule this year, I don't know why they would do that because the Raiders are going to suck. I think the Vikings are going to be a little below average as well. We'll talk about that later in the summer. But this is kind of bullshit to the fans. You know, It's very hard for the fans that buy Thursday night tickets, especially traveling fans, to very, to adjust and change their itinerary and things like that. Chris, I, I'm telling you right now, like you said, it's a business, and once again, the NFL does not care now about the fans, in my opinion. Yeah, Riz, I mean, I would just say buy fucking flight insurance on your ticket. But I think I think this is the most stupidest thing. Once it hit the headlines, I know I texted y'all. I said, this is stupid. And the thing about it is, like, you get two games that can get flexed, and then if they don't use the two games this season, then it gets moved to next season. Like, why are we even doing this? And like you mentioned earlier, if there's a 12 o'clock game that gets flexed to eight o'clock on Sunday, easy for fans. But if you expect to be in a city a weekend and then it's like, Hey, we're doing a Thursday night game. Now that just throws a fucking wrench in everyone's plan. I think it's stupid. I don't see a point of it. I think Thursday night games are the warm up game for the weekend anyways. So like, why make a big matchup on a Thursday night game anyways? And players already, like most players already hate Thursday night games. because. And if you look at it, like statistically, the games, like offensive game-wise, it's not as electric because they just played literally four days prior. They don't have the full practice week that they normally have. It messes up their routine. Their bodies are not 100%, you know, replenished that they, you know, that they could get back to normal. And, I mean, I'm okay with having a Thursday night game, but I'm not okay with flexing the games around. It's just – especially like for us, like me and Rose were talking about buying games for the Vikings and Falcons that are in November. And, you know, I mean, that's not week 13, but like we already, us as fans, we talk about buying tickets months in advance. Sometimes, yes, you wait to the week of, because if your team sucks, you get cheaper tickets. But, you know, I'm banking on the Falcons going 17-0 this year, so I want to go to games this year. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, and NFL might just screw everyone over. But Chris, moving on, speaking of, Screwing people over, Tom Brady, you know, I fucking hate this guy. I really do. Like, I, I get it. he's a legend. And, I mean, deep down, I think he's a good guy. But, you know, Greg Olson's already going to get screwed over when he goes to Fox. But that's the question. Should Tom Brady be able to call games for Fox now that he got approved by the Raiders to be the minority owner, a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, which is also the minority owner of the Las Vegas Aces, the WNBA team out there. But – 
if he calls games for Fox, is that going to be a biasy thing? Like some some guys like Dale Hart Jr. for NASCAR, he's able to be fair when he calls uh, competition against his team and when his team's racing. But is it fair, though, for guys like that, like Tom Brady, to call games potentially for the Raiders or division rivals, and he might possibly shit talk? Because you can't just shit talk your team. No, I agree. You can't shit talk your team. I don't think Tom Brady's going to be biased. I mean, he doesn't give a fuck if the Raiders win or lose. He just cares about people showing up to that game. That's just money in his pocket. But I I don't see a problem with Tom Brady calling Raiders games. Well, fuck him. He shouldn't be calling games anyways. Greg Olson killed it last year. I'm on that train. Fuck Tom Brady. And Greg Olson should be on the A team for Fox with Kevin Burkhart. So like I say, man, I, I just – I'm telling you. Fuck Tom Brady. I, I, he gets my boil. My, my juices boil when I talk about this man. Uh, speaking of juices flowing and egotistical quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, retired in 2021. One of the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks and possibly players of that franchise came out on his podcast. Uh, Kenny Pickett, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback now was on it. And he came out and said that, Yes, he knows he's going to get a lot of hate for this and a lot of flack, but this is more paraphrasing, by the way. He says that when Kenny Pickett replaced him, but remember Big Ben retired, he could have played elsewhere. They could have moved him around. And he, he says he felt like he still had it, but he, he could have had that choice to play like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew, uh, not Drew Brees, but um, Joe Montana, guys like that, that moved around to other teams that didn't finish with the teams that they started with. If he really felt like that way, he could have kept playing, but he says that, he kind of was rooting for Kenny Pickett not to succeed, which to me is a selfish dickhead move because now a team that you played for your whole career that you're not even playing in the NFL, you're saying essentially you want the Steelers to fall on their face because if Kenny Pickett falls, that means the Steelers are going to fall. And that just shows to me how, I don't know, like self-conscious you are and like literally how much you care about your own ego. Like you said, people are going to forget about me, like Big Ben who no one's going to forget about you, Big Ben. We, we know what you did off the court field, and we know what you did on the field, and you're a legendary athlete. Chris, are you okay with what he said? I mean, if I was him, I would have just kept this one fucking wrapped inside and taken this one to the grave. There's no reason for the comment. And I, I know we were just talking about it right before we started the pod. Like, my man, you retired already before they even got Kenny Pickett. Like, boost that man's confidence up, you – if you're retiring a Steeler, then you want to see the Steelers win. Boost his confidence up. Help that kid out. And I, and I guarantee you, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady did not root. Like, they did not say, we want Andrew Luck and then Cam Newton or Mac Jones to fail and fall on their face, essentially, like, not succeed right away. Like, it's still a respect thing. You still want the organization. Like, you ultimately agreed. To, yes, did they probably not want you to come back? I mean, you were showing your age. You limped your way into that playoffs and then got dominated against the Kansas City Chiefs in that playoff run uh, that the Chiefs made to um, – yeah, the Chiefs lost to the Bengals that year but made their way to the AFC Championship. They they dominated you, and it shows that you, you got carried through defense. You weren't the same big band that you used to be, and if you really felt that you could ball out, like I said, you would go play somewhere else. There was other teams that needed a quarterback, and I guarantee teams would have signed you just on your name alone. Yeah, I agree. I just – I think his time was done. He was old. He couldn't move. He needs to just go to the go to a restaurant, go to a bar, and find himself a nice underage girl. Allegedly, 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 we allegedly, gotta make sure. Allegedly. Yeah, we don't want to say he's out there still doing what he allegedly did 
back in the day. Maybe stay off the motorcycles as well, Big Ben. We know your track record of driving a nice two-wheel vehicle. Don't want you to fall off again. Uh, by the way, you own the Baltimore Ravens in your career. Shout out to Luke Rule. Fuck the Baltimore Ravens. And let's move on to Devontae Adams. Once again, second episode in a row, he listed his top five wide receivers. And I know we talked about this, and we kind of don't agree with his list. I mean, it's not even a top five. It's more of a top seven. So we'll, we'll read this list, starting with 5B. Yes, 5B is where he's, that's where he's at. C.D. Lamb. He loves C.D. Lamb, apparently. He says it reminds him of himself. Uh, he just wants him to keep developing, getting better. And, yes, I was wrong about C.D. I do think he is one of the top receivers in the league, maybe not top five. But you have 5A, Mike Evans. I get it. Mike Evans is Mr. 1,000 yards. He's got 1,000 yards every year in his career. That Will he get that this year with Kyle Trask or Baker? That's yet to be seen. Number four, a wide receiver hasn't played in over a season in a few weeks. Calvin Ridley, um, we'll talk about – I mean, is he really the best Alabama receiver in the league? I don't, I don't even think he's the best receiver that's currently in the league that came from Alabama, Chris. No, I mean, I agree. You got Devontae Smith out there. You got you got some nice Alabama wide receivers out there. Jalen Waddle's out there. I mean, is Mari Cooper better than Cal Ridley? I mean, that's quite, that's a debate for its own there, too. Um, love Cal Ridley. I thought he was good with the Falcons, but I don't think he's number four. Number three, Stephon Diggs. I can understand, you know, he's he's been consistent now with Josh Allen. Number two, B, Tyree Kill. Number two, Justin Jefferson. And number one, of course, he goes himself. Chris, you have a problem with this list? I definitely have a problem with this list. I mean, I think he took the easy way out, giving these two A's, two B's. I mean, I like how he's going. I mean, I wouldn't – I know where he's going with putting himself number one. You, you always want to put yourself number one. I don't think he's the best wide receiver in the league. He's definitely probably up in the top three. I like how he's he has JJ up there, boy from LSU. Tyreek, I agree with Diggs, but I mean, leaving Chase out of the picture that's disrespectful. And then Coop, Cooper Cup, he's always getting disrespected. So I don't understand why he's not on the list. And then you got DeAndre Hopkins. He should be up there above Calvin Ridley. I mean, the only thing Calvin Ridley's shown so far is he sucks at gambling against his own team. Yeah, I mean, oh, actually, no, no, he he bet on us to win that game, and and we won that game. So he he's good at gambling. Uh, that that you know that we know. I mean, yeah, of course, I have an issue with this list too. I mean, I personally do think Devontae Adams is number one. I think you got one and two spot on. I I think that yes, JJ's had better numbers maybe the last two seasons overall, but. Devontae Adams is, or, or yeah, Devontae Adams has still been consistent up there with those those big numbers that he's had. So I can't necessarily. It's like that Julio Jones effect to me. I couldn't keep Julio out of the top spot until someone truthfully, consistently, consistently every year kept doing it. And if JJ does a third year in a row, yeah, I'm gonna put JJ number one going to 2024 season. But I have Adams and then JJ. And this was a hard one. I did go Jamar Chase at number three, Tyreek Hill number four, and honestly, I don't think Cooper Cup's number five. I think DeAndre Hopkins is number five. I I know that's maybe a little disrespectful to Stephon Diggs as well, but Hopkins, if he's healthy, dude, man's a freak. We saw what he did when he came back from his six-game suspension. Man was balling out with Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. I mean, it's hard to say DeAndre Hopkins is still a top-five receiver. I know he's up there in age, but he's not slowing down, in my opinion. I mean, if it's fourth and ten in your quarterback, and this is for, like, a Super Bowl drive, who are you going to go with, Devontae Adams or Justin Jefferson? Like, forget history. I'm talking about, like – this season right now, you're going Adams or Jefferson? 
I'm going Adams. Yeah, I, I and but the thing is, it it comes based on history. Like, I know. I mean, I, I that's hard to say because you know JJ is such a freak athlete, and he is taking that that spot. And if it's not, I mean, I could be wrong. He could be the number one receiver, but I still have that respect for Devontae Adams where I put him at number one. I think if it's fourth and ten, and I want a first down, I I trust Jeff. I've seen Devontae Adams do it so many times that I'm not betting against him. He's one of the best pure route runners in the game. He literally has one of the best feet movement out there at the wide receiver position, and it's hard. I mean, Jefferson's a freak, but we saw games last year where Jefferson disappeared too. I mean, I know that it's hard to say. Shout out to, like I said, once again, Rizlov, who's going to disagree with us, but there were games last year where he disappeared when they needed him to win. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But, I mean, all these guys have games where they get shut down. I mean – Sauce was shutting everybody down last year. I mean, another thing I wanted to say, Tyreek Hill, I just have a little asterisk next to his name. I want to see what this man does when he gets older and he loses his speed. Because, like, right now he can just run past everybody. I know he's not playing past 2025, but. So are we going to see him when he is old, or is he going to change his mind? I don't think he's going to leave in 2025. I think he loves the game too much. That's literally two or three seasons. Like, if it's after 25, he's got three seasons left. If it's going into 2025, it's two seasons left. And Miami's in the middle of a window right now where they can try and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him retiring in 25. Yeah, me, me neither. And I mean, they are. And to me, they have two of the top 10 receivers. I mean, they have Jalen Waddle. I, I do believe he's top 10. Man, both of them balled out with Tua. And I mean, we know how we feel about Tua. I don't think he's that good. And I mean, it benefits when you have two of the top receivers in the league. Yeah, I, I don't know what, whatever Devontae Adams is drinking out there in Vegas. I, I need some of that. I need some of that lean that he's got because I, I don't see Mike Evans. Maybe Mike Evans, like five, six years ago. Yeah, like, I, I don't get me wrong. At one point, he was top five, but I, I don't see Calvin really there. And that's no hatred towards him now. He's on the Jaguars. I just don't. I never thought he was top five when he was in Atlanta. And, uh, it's it's a shame that he chose this list with seven players in his top five. Good math, by the way, out there in Vegas, too. They do math right. The house yeah, always I mean, wins. House always wins. And I guess Devontae, you know, his house always wins. Uh, Chris, I mean, so I guess I guess we can say that we don't agree with the list. We might disagree on who our top five is. I mean, who who is your top five? I mean, I think I'm going to have to go – I'd probably put – I know we were arguing earlier. I'd probably go JJ one, Adams two. I'm Tyreek and Chase are just like either can go three or four. One of those can just go three or four. And then I'm probably going to put honestly Hopkins above Diggs. So it sounds like we have the same top five. Just the order might flip a little bit. Of I mean five steadily Hopkins, but I have Adams. You have JJ, and then. I have Chase and you have Hill at three. So, I mean, yeah, same top five, just different orders. So, I mean, love to hear what Doc would have said. Oh, by the way, we did forget to shout out Doc. He's not feeling well tonight. Uh, we hope to have him back later in the next episode. Sorry, Doc. We got so excited about football. You know, it's this is what gets us going is football. And, Doc, we miss you out here. Hopefully you're getting well, and uh, we'll see you Thursday in the Stackhouse. Chris, speaking of sad news, uh, one of the pioneers of football, one of the legends of this game. 
He was also part of the last Cleveland Browns championship. Yes, before there was a Super Bowl in 1964, the Cleveland Browns won a championship. Jim Brown, literally a legend, passed away at 87 years old just a few days ago. And, I mean, you see Jim Brown. He was in the 100th anniversary commercial. You, you see him everywhere. He was there when the, the Cavaliers were balling out with LeBron. He was part of the, you know, the crowd. He obviously is the Jackie Robinson of baseball. He broke down the color barrier for the NFL. And without him and his movement, what he did, the NFL wouldn't be where it's at today and with everyone having a chance to play the game. And obviously guys like Zeke, well, I have to say this, for some reason, first running back, but like Zeke Elliott, Nick Chubb, all these guys, Derrick Henry, these guys have a chance to play because of Jim Brown. And honestly, just want to say rest in peace. You know, I didn't get that chance. We didn't get a chance to watch him, but maybe the NFL considers retiring his number like the MLB did with Jackie Robinson, number 32. I wouldn't really be against it at all. I mean, like I said, he broke down a barrier that needed to be done. And, you know, just rest in peace, Jim Brown. Hopefully the NFL does something this year to at least honor him and honor his name. Yeah, it's sad. We're getting to that age to where all these players that were up and coming with the NFL are going to slowly start fading away. And we're just seeing history now. Yeah, so hopefully Cleveland at least – I mean, I know Cleveland will do something. But like I said, hopefully the NFL does something to honor this man. And, um, you know, just thanks, Jim Brown, for everything everything you did. Because, like I said, without you, the game we love today wouldn't be where it is. So moving on, though, that's what – it all NFL talk. That's what we, we got for the week or for the last few days. But now, NBA playoffs, conference finals. Chris, the Denver Nuggets, finally, their first time in their 47-year franchise career, making the NBA finals, just absolutely swept the Los Angeles Lakers. They were in every game. The Lakers had a chance to win every single game. They they blew it. This last game, LeBron had 31 at half. The drum drops nine points or 10 points, whatever, in the second half. Start to show his age, got gassed. We're settling for more jump shots, not being attacking. But speaking of LeBron and his age, we know it's his 20th season. Was this his last chance, Chris, to get to the NBA Finals and win another title? I mean, I don't know if it was his last chance. I mean, the Lakers started off dog shit this year. And, I mean, they did a solid push as the seventh seed to at least get to this conference final. I don't think it's his last chance, but it might be nearing it. But I do – I don't know about you, but I'm fucking excited to see a finals game that does not have LeBron or Steph Curry in it. Yeah, definitely. I know that uh, it's been a while since Steph Curry or LeBron hasn't been in the West Conference Finals. I know we had the Suns a couple years ago. That was kind of like the outlier, now the Nuggets. But, yeah, speaking of that question, though, if the Lakers don't make moves, like if they don't get a Damian Lillard or another star or another couple pieces, I do think this is the last chance, at least with the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll never know maybe what happens down the line when he potentially plays with the Sun if that still happens, which he addressed that. But if they don't make moves out there in L.A., at least with L.A., I don't believe they'll get back to another title. Um, They just they don't have enough to get over that hump with the guys like the Denver Nuggets who play offensive crazy basketball. They're always moving, and you can see that the the Lakers are just tired. I mean, even Joker's tired as well, but like they they practice that, they train that, so they're they're used to that. And we're gonna stand the LeBron James wagon real quick. This little train with him. I don't know how you feel if he's the goat or if you consider MJ or another basketball player to be the goat, but if he's not the goat. Did this hurt his chances, like, uh, you know, being swept, stuck on four finals and, and ten appearances? Did this hurt his chances of becoming the greatest of all time for the game of the NBA? 
I mean, I I personally hate goat talk. I mean, the game is different. Just like football, the game is different than what it is back in the day. Like people are going to say that Patrick Mahomes is the goat, but then you have like Joe Montana back in the day. You have all these great quarterbacks that were a goat back in their time. So like, are you dissing them? So I mean, I hate goat talk. I think LeBron's a great player. Probably definitely one of the greatest players in our generation. So I I'd put him up there for at least our generation. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I hate the goat talk. I don't mind entertaining it once in a while when I'm in the mood, but like what to me, what classifies as a goat? Because that's the thing. We and we all do it in arguments. We make stats and we make arguments to fit our narrative, to fit that story that we want to push. So the topic is that MJ has more rings. He's 6-0 in the finals compared to LeBron 4-6. and six. But then you have Bill Russell, who's got 11 rings. And then you're like, okay, well, and then you have people like to say stats. And they're like, well, LeBron James only has these stats because of longevity. But then when I mentioned that, like, oh, Tom Brady's got these stats because of longevity, they say he's got seven rings. I'm like, okay, well, so what's the agenda you want to push? Because Tom Brady, for example, he has these stats, but it took him longer to do it than guys like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Brett Favre. But LeBron, yes, it took him a little longer than the guys like Michael Jordan. But man went to, to 10 finals. And if you're looking at, if I'm looking at like athletic, like player, like what they do on the court, LeBron is more equipped, like with his tool belt. He's a great passer, probably one of the best passers of the game. Yes, he can't shoot the ball well, but he's one of the best drivers of the game. He's got one of the highest IQs. He's one of the best rebounders. So if you're going based on just skill alone, I mean, yeah, he's probably better than MJ, but MJ's a better winner, I guess. But that's also a team game. Your team is better. Like, and that's why the whole Tom Brady, I don't think Tom Brady's a GOAT. I really don't. I think he was he was beneficial beyond the greatest teams possible, the greatest coach possible, one of the greatest owners possible. And yeah, I don't like the goat talk as well. And it's hard to say because every era is different. It's hard to compare eras. Yeah, like I said earlier, the game changes. Football was different back in the day. Now it's just passing offense. But like going into NBA, it's just it's hard. I mean, statistics are changing. And then you have players that are making it to the final. And like you said, it's a team game. So it's like, who did these players have on their team to help them get to the finals and win these games? Yeah, like and a guy like Magic Johnson, he was arguably the GOAT at the time, but he had to retire because of his situation in 1992 where he had HIV and all that stuff. But, you know, that slowed him down. And he was at five rings, and he was potentially going to get more. We don't know if the Bulls could have kept winning if Magic Johnson was on the court still. So – I mean, it's just hard. Every era is different. Every style of the game is different in each sport. I mean, we could talk like right now, like the, the topic of best player currently playing, and that's where I want to lean to is Joker's a two-time MVP. He's got more MVPs than Giannis, I believe. And if he wins a championship this year, he'll have the same amount of rings as Giannis. He'll, I mean, Steph Curry's got four, but I don't really consider Steph Curry the best player in the game right now. But if Giannis, or if Joker wins the finals this year, is it time to put him – and that conversation as the best player in the game today. You know, I'm going to go back to when we discussed the MVP debate earlier, and I just want to change my narrative and say that the Joker got robbed his third MVP in a row because, God damn, watching him in this series was absolutely insane. He He's definitely probably the greatest right now in this game. Yeah, even LeBron had to give him respect. Like, some of those circus shots where it was literally he's just throwing it up. Like, I mean, the man's gifted. For a guy with a, with a body like us, like dad bods out there, he makes us proud because it's like, you know, he, just, he looks like an average Joe, 
He always looks gassed, but the man gives 100% on the offensive end. Defense, yes, he'll sacrifice a little bit because he's so efficient on offense. I, I love seeing Joker play. For a seven-foot center to do what he can do, the way he plays the game, phenomenal, my friend. Yeah, watching him manhandle AD in the paint was just the greatest thing I've ever lived for. I mean, yes, you hate AD, so yes, but I mean, Joker's a beast. Jamal Murray stepped it up. He was the first player in the conference finals to average 30, 40, and 90, so 30 points a game, 40% from the three-point line, and 90% from the free-throw line. Man balled out. You could have even made an argument for whoever got the Western Conference final MVP, which is the Magic Johnson Award. They did give it to Joker. He's the first player to average a triple-double in a four-game sweep. So congrats to the Denver Nuggets. Way to get there. Now we lose five teams that haven't been to the finals, one of those including the New Orleans Pelicans. Sorry, Chris. And like I said to open the show, my Miami Heat, yes, we did lose today to Boston, which I'm a little upset. I don't want to go back to Boston. And so we're up 3-1. And, yes, every game's a must-win for this Boston Celtics, who you chose in six. But normally when the home team, like the, the, the higher seed is up 3-0, they could sacrifice to lose one of those games on the road in games three or four, but Miami is the opposite. We have to go to Boston now in game five. Yes, they've struggled on the at home, Boston has, but if they win game five, now game six is an absolute must-win for the Miami Heat because you don't want to go back to Boston for game seven. So it just keeps putting that pressure on this. Jason Tatum finally showed up. Chris, he's been a little he's been bad this fourth quarter of this this series. I believe he's an inconsistent superstar. Do you think that the Celtics can make a little push and keep pushing Miami and maybe get to game six back in South Beach? I think the Celtics are going to push. I think Miami overall is going to win this series. I mean, they're just not going to be – the Celtics are not going to be able to make one mistake, and that's going to be their flaw. Celtics in the first three games did not look like they were in it mentally. Their offense was struggling, their defense was struggling, and when one of those were stepping up, then the other one was struggling. They were just going through their fucking hardest. Um, I mean, Tatum finally showed up. You could definitely see in the other, I know in the third game, on him on the sideline, he was just pissed sitting on the bench. So I'm glad he had finally had a game, but I think Miami's going to just pull this series off. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout-out to Jules. Is one of my one of my buddies out there in Florida. He's a huge Celtics fan. He did shit-talk me before the series. I was trying to be humble, but he said, you know, get, you know we're going to get swept, and then we win game one. He's like, well, it's a gentleman's sweep, and then, you know, and then we dominate game three. So they, they did get one, so shout-out to you, Jules, and your Celtics. They survive another day. Hopefully we close it out in the garden. Uh, hasn't really been home home crowd for you. Also, shout out to my brother Tony. I believe he fucked us because he's been hot. He's been on some heaters, Chris gambling. He's been hot this last week. He's been choosing Miami every game. He went Boston this game and they won. So I think that's why we lost. I don't think it was because Boston was better. I think that he knew something that we didn't know. Probably a little bit inside tipping there with the Boston Celtics Miami Heat. So shout out to both those guys and hopefully Butler can come back to his get standards. The last two games. He struggled shooting the ball and, and putting points up. Yes, he put big points up today, but it wasn't on a high efficiency. A lot of those were free throws. Ten of his 29 points were from the free throw line. So it wasn't like he was balling out, shooting the ball. So hopefully we can come back. Like, like I said, we don't want to go back to game six, back to Miami, because that, the pressure's on us. Yes, the pressure's on them as well, but we, we have to close out. We can't keep playing this. All right, well, it's one game. So I need guys like Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez to fucking stay away from these games. Yes, I love my Yankees. 
I love Derek Jeter. A-Rod's questionable, but he did get us help get us a uh, World Series ring. But those guys need to stay the way because they're also the only team to blow a 3-0 lead, which is my New York Yankees. So those two fucking guys better stay back and just chill. A-Rod shouldn't be there anyways. He's part of the Minnesota Timberwolves. So stay away from us and let us close this out. I don't want that juju there. I kind of believe in that shit. And stay away from the fucking stadium. I don't want you guys going to the Garden. And if you do go to the Garden, I hope someone kicks the shit out of Alex Rodriguez so he, does, he stays away from Boston. But, Chris, we have another news. Carmelo Anthony, one of the greatest offensive scorers in our generation. Uh, we just talked about LeBron. But Melo is one of the greatest offensive players that we I've seen, at least, um, for the Denver Nuggets, New York Knicks. The list and list goes on. He played for other teams as well. And he just cleared the Los Angeles Lakers. Played 19 seasons, was in the league 20, didn't play his last season. But retires. And he's one of the he's the only player in the top 10 not to get a championship. I mean – it's disappointing that Melo couldn't deliver a ring as great as he was offensively. Yeah, of course. It's sad. I mean, he was one of the greatest players, like you said, in our generation growing up. We got to see him when he started. And he he absolutely turned the Nuggets franchise around. I mean, before he was drafted, the Nuggets went, I think it was eight years without even making the playoffs. And then they drafted him and they made the playoffs I want to say like a couple years straight. So he completely turned that franchise around. Amazing player. Sad to see him go, but hang your hat up when you're high, not when you're low. Yeah. And the, the question now is, is, do they retire number 15 for mellow or for Joker? I mean, I, I on for, I mean, I think it's Joker just because he's delivered them that champ or that championship appearance two MVPs, you know, two great players though, for the franchise war number 15. So it's very rare to see. Yeah, I think if Joker wins this finals, then it's easily going to be Joker. Easily. Yeah, because that number is getting retired one way or another. And, uh, yeah, so that's the that's the NBA. You know, Denver's waiting. So June 1st will be the finals. So, like, if this would have happened tonight, the Miami would have closed out. We would have gone nine, nine nights without the finals because they're starting June 1st regardless. So maybe it's a good thing we lost. Maybe we can keep a little momentum going because I don't want to sit around because if we sit around too long – the better team, the better team is Denver, in my opinion. Yes, they are the better team. And when the best team sits that long, the rust will not hurt them as much as the rust will hurt us because we're we're thriving on rhythm right now and uh, momentum. So hopefully, the hopefully we we win though and we we keep it hot. But Chris, this past weekend the PGA Championship golf second major of the year concluded with finally the live tour getting a winner in Brooks Kepka, who used to be one of the dominant PGA members. I know that the live tours had some members compete, haven't won. Kepka was competing for the masters. Do you think now that this kind of solidifies what they've been pushing for the last couple of years that the live tour can compete with the big boys in the PGA tour? Yeah. I mean, I think these players can compete. I mean, it's good for a little bit of highlight on golf. I mean, growing the sport there. I know it's not as big as your NBA, your NFL. So it's definitely growing a little bit. And I think these players can definitely compete in the Masters. Yeah, I'm opposite. I, I just don't think on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, maybe for the majors, because the major, it's like kind of like the championships, like, you know, you, you play up to that because the, what the, the magnitude is of that actual championship. But on a regular weekend basis, for, Four weekends or four days for the week, the week for the golf week. I don't think they can consist, consistently do it. They, 
well, some of them maybe can, but not most of them. A lot of them are the older folks, like the Phil Mickelsons, the Sergio Garcias. I mean, I, I just don't think it. I, I think the Live, to- Live Tour is a joke anyways. They play three rounds. They only play four rounds. I, I just don't think they have it in them. But, you know, what we talked about before the show is Michael Block, a PGA professional, so or I'm sorry, club professional out there. So pretty much he's a guy that is like a coach for like different like golf courses and – you know, the man was in there. He was in the top. He was hovering around the top 10 for a little bit. He had a hole in one, you know, shout out round one or sorry, the final round. He needed a top 15 appearance to get to the next year's PGA championship, which he got. He had a crazy chip or a pitch shot on the 17th hole or 18th hole, actually, with thousands of people surrounding you, makes a par putt, gets into the next year's PGA championship. Also is playing in the Charles Schwab Cup. Chris, this guy gives us hope that maybe we can go start playing the PGA tour. Yeah, no, I mean, I've had one great round of golf in my entire fucking life. <laughs> Shout out to you and Luke. Great, great day that good day, but sign me the fuck up. Send me some clubs and let's go. I mean, if not, you could be my caddy and you know, I'll get, you get 10% winning. So like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just cool to say, I mean, I was rooting for him and I was talking to my uncle and, um, literally he, his roars that he was getting was like Tiger Woods. Like that was the atmosphere and you don't see like the golf is different when Tiger Woods isn't playing the, the majors will get that buzz still just because of the, how big the tournament is. But those roars, I'm telling you were Tiger Woods roars. And I've been in the crowd for Tiger Woods. Those things are loud and as can be in, I mean, good for him, man. Maybe he's the new Michael Woods. Maybe, maybe he's going to replace Tiger. He he could, <laughs> but Chris, uh, I mean, yeah, a little short of this episode. I mean, just two of us talking, so two talking heads rather than three. Like I said, Doc, we hope you get better. We hope you you can get back to the sack house uh, later in the week. Uh, so me and Chris were talking. We're gonna start, you know, three months before really you start drafting your fantasy teams. We're gonna start breaking down some fantasy talk in the next couple episodes. Not even just fantasy. Maybe start previewing like MVPs, coaches of the year, things like that. Teams that are on the hot seat, coaches that are on the hot seat, guys like that, you know, we're going to start getting some creative segments. It, obviously, it's a football-dominant show just because in America, this is what it's run by is football. Basketball's dying down. Shout-out to the Florida Panthers, another South Florida 8-seed, fucking up 3-0 over the Carolina Hurricanes. It's going to be the Panthers winning the Stanley Cup, baby. I love it, Chris. If it's not the Bolts, it's the Panthers. I know you're excited for those Florida teams. Go Bolts! But go Panthers because they're the ones that are in right now. And that's what we want to see. We want to see a Florida team go. And I want to see Vegas get in there as well. I want to see Vegas and Florida Panthers. I love hockey, dude. Hockey's the best sport in the world. Go Pucks, baby. Go Pucks, Chris. Yeah, I just want to fucking throw my gloves off and punch somebody. I mean, that is an exciting thing to do, especially when two goalies fight. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. That happened earlier in the year. Two goalies had a, a massive fight. But, yeah, Chris, this is it. Uh just me and you, we cover a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball. Even got some golf in there. Um, my Yankees are coming back, by the way. We're only down five games in the division now in the best division or the best uh, yeah, division of baseball. So go Yankees as well. The Astros suck as cheaters. always. Yeah, we don't, we don't cheat. We just – I guess it's a gray area because you can't look at your coach apparently now all of a sudden. But, hey, not me for me to judge. I don't think that's cheating. Even if the Astros did that, that's not cheating. But – uh. You know, Chris, I'm glad we could do this this week. I'm glad we got on. I know we had to delay the episode. We had a rough night last night. But, hey, 
always great to talk sports. Like I said, great to include all the other sports like golf. And, I mean, basketball's dying down, so it's going to be football, football, football. So, Chris, start getting your notes ready. My notes are ready. I'm glad to be here at the Sack House. Can't wait to start covering fucking football. Doc, I know Mark shouted you out. Sorry you're hungover. I know you're sad about LeBron getting swept. You can go hang up the LeBron jerseys, but we miss you. Yeah, I think that's why Doc wanted to delay last night's episode and tonight. I think he kind of wanted it to recover. I know he's a LeBron fan. Um, sorry, Doc. Hey, you still got Jimmy Butler. He's a former fool. So you call onto the bandwagon for the Heat. Chris, shout out to Topo Chico. I see it in the background. Uh, what yes, flavor sir. are you drinking tonight? Uh, we have fucking strawberry hibiscus and original margarita, signature oh. margarita. Double fisting. So during the season, we got to get you on the Coors Latte trains. Visit the mountains because, like they always say, the mountains are always blue. Can't go wrong with a nice Coors on a nice sunny day. I do want to try some of those Coronas in your fridge. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of Coronas. Uh, If anyone out there wants to join me at my sack house, I have a 12-pack of Corona bottles and I have two limes. Hey, you come over here. We'll have a nice Corona, of course. I got to get rid of them somehow. Um... Yep, uh, I'm Mark Davis. That is Chris Kameinhart. This is all about the Boss Podcast, and we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Boss Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.